Well, hello once again, and um, I welcome you to these broadcasts when I'm getting an opportunity to share with you. I'm moving back into what is the exposition from the epistles, and today it's James, and we shall be continuing on in the next two or three weeks on this epistle. And um, I am using the authorized version. I know I do occasionally use a slightly more modern one, but I think this one really explains itself quite simply. So we start off as James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now, it's absolutely clear from this, there's no question, that he is writing to the Jewish people. And it's quite important to realize that some of the messages from the New Testament are to the, to the church, and some are specifically to the Jews but it still applies to all of us. And you can see from the way that he goes on, he's really speaking to Jewish people who've come to faith in Jesus. Because, of course, the Jewish nation basically rejected and still does reject Jesus as Messiah. But... These people were early converts and were given the name of Christian as followers of Christ. I am not so happy with the use of the modern term of Messianic Jews, although it does describe them that they are Jews who believe in the Messiah. But I want to look on them as followers of Jesus, because that's what you and I are as well, not just the Jews. So he's writing, as James is writing, to the tribes. And in verse 2, he says, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. In other words, this is not just what you might think of as temptation. It is testing and trial. And uh, that's where we do find that much more clearly in some of the more modern translations. It, it's absolutely clear that uh, he's talking about uh, falling into many the word diverse, many different trials and difficulties, because verse 3 explains it. Knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith brings patience. So really what he's trying to say here is that we should not be discouraged when we face trials, when we face difficulties, but rather that 
in the trials, in the difficulties, that we realized that we are being tested on our faith. You know, I've not had an easy life. People, some people might think, oh, it's easy for him. He's um, just an evangelist. He grew up in a Christian home and, uh, and so on. But yes, but I've gone through some of the biggest difficulties you can imagine. Uh, you all know that twice I've had cancer, that I was in prison, uh, and there are times when I've had no money, when I've been virtually penniless and struggling, and uh, several attempts to assassinate me, but not just that, but I've often faced a lot of opposition. And I'm quite interested to see that even as early in the churches in that first century with the disciples, that even Paul himself is acknowledging he faced a lot of opposition and trials. So we have to recognize that all these are to encourage us, to teach us, and to strengthen us. And I will say that my faith has been strengthened by the problems that I've gone through. And so in verse 4, he says, let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. In other words, that we learn more through our difficulties than we do through our simple joys. And then in verse 5, he moves to a different side of it where he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and criticizes not, and it shall be given him. So here is a very clear thing, and I think this does relate to prayer, and I certainly know it does relate in my prayer life, that if in any way I, I'm, I'm wanting to know questions, it's not just uh, uh, of saying like wisdom in the sense of um, wisdom being something as a gift. It's more than that. If, if you are having questions and uncertain, don't be afraid in your uncertainty and in your questioning to ask God. I mean, I do all the time. I, I, I have to. Uh, in fact, I hardly get out of bed in the morning without saying, Lord, take care of today and organize it for me. Uh, and the, the, the older I get and the busier I get, the more I'm having to do it. I'm doing it all the time. I did it this morning. Lord, will you take care of my day and help me to get through it and through all the, the things? Because I've, I've had a very busy schedule <laughs> trying to organize flights and trying to organize travel and, and make sure that I, because I have to go um, on, on, a, on a journey in order to do something and um, overseas, which means flying. And I do have to ask the Lord for wisdom. And even when I set off to travel in my car, I, or if, even if I'm flying or traveling, I usually say, Lord, give me a comfortable journey without stress because too many people get stressed up and I don't want to be stressed up. So he's saying that if you need um, help or support, 
don't be afraid to ask God who won't be upset with you because you're asking, but God will give you the answer. He'll give you what you're asking. The only thing is it's the qualification is in verse 6 where he says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering because he that waves is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed because this is the danger and it's the danger with faith. It's the danger in our Christian life that we have to be consistent. And I would use the word consistent here. Uh, let him ask in faith, but consistently and believing, because verse 7 says, if we are not consistent and not asking in faith, we won't get anything. And I think uh, a lot of times when uh, people don't receive it is because they don't really trust that God can actually do it. I mean, I had to put this to the test because um, I know it's re referring back to something, uh, but it's something which you all understand. The two times I had cancer, believe me, it was a very difficult thing to refuse medical treatment. Very difficult thing. I had to stand firm. And I didn't waver. I stood firm, and I got the answers. And I've just been away for a week of prayer on my prayer mountain in Austria, and exactly the same thing applies, because I became very conscious um, on the first visit up the mountain. I was going up to ask a whole load of questions, and the second time I went up, it was to get the answers. And I got the answers. And um, it's, it's so important because in giving me the answers, the Lord reminded me of this very fact that if I want to receive what I'm asking for, I must believe that it's going to happen. In verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable. There is such a danger even amongst some Christians that uh, I would call them double-minded in the sense that they're half and half, they half believe and half don't believe. The scripture actually does say, um, don't be lukewarm. Um, this comes in Revelation. The Lord actually says through John in Revelation, I would rather that you were hot or cold, that you're not lukewarm. In other words, not in the middle. Better to be cold or hot. In other words, be decisive, be one thing or the other, but don't be in the middle. And then verse 9, we come on something totally different. Here, James is saying, let the brother of low degree rejoice that he's exalted. In other words, God does exalt and lift up the humble. Those who in humility serve God. Because the contrast in verse 10 is the rich should be very careful 
because he can be reduced and made low. Because, as James is saying, as the flower of the grass still pass away, verse 11, the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withers the grass and the flower falls. And so, just as flowers can fade and fall after the heat of the sun, so those that count and depend on their riches and their position can also fall away. It is sad that we do find that too many, I'm sorry to say this, of even spiritual leaders who are lifted up and have an awful lot of publicity and a lot of praise, they can, through their own pride, fall. Then we come back to verse 12, and verse 12 is following on from what we said a little bit earlier uh, in verse 3. Uh, because in verse 12, blessed is the man that endures temptation. And here it's not just temptation in the sense of being tempted to do something, it's the trials and the testings. Blessed is the man who is tried and tested, for when he is tried, it's blunt here, he will receive the crown of life. So, um, in actual fact, there are many crowns that we receive. There's the soul winner's crown, and here there is the crown of life for those that are faithful and endure to the end and don't give in with the, all the difficulties. Because, yes, there is a danger for, for Christians to give in uh, as a result of testing and temptations and trials and accusations and, uh, and problems and opposition. They can give in. But there is a special reward for those who don't give in and don't stop, but endure to the end and are faithful to the end. Do you get it? That in itself, that faithfulness to the end, sticking to it, being faithful, not giving in, that will earn you a very distinctive reward. I think in actual fact there are 10 crowns, but I forget the exact number. But I do know that that is, just as there is a promise of uh, a crown for the soul winner, if the, the reward is to the soul winner, the same reward is given to those who don't quit, give up, give in because of the difficulties. So what I'm seeing here is a very, very strong message that whatever comes, we must not stop being a Christian. We mustn't give up our faith. We mustn't give up on our faith, on our experience of Christ. And we will be rewarded by being consistent right to the end. And that's promised to those that love Jesus. 
Then verse 13 puts a different side to it. He says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God can't be tempted with evil, neither can God tempt any man. Now, this applies in temptation, but it also comes in trials. And I want you to understand that what he's really saying is, if any man has trials and persecutions, don't say it comes from God. God can't give you these things. God can't tempt you with the evil or bring anything evil into your life. And neither is God himself tempted by that. But verse 14 makes it very clear. People who are tempted when they're drawn away by their own desires. Aha. And what happens? When that desire conceives, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. I'm sorry to say, and a lot of people may not fully understand this, I believe this is a very strong warning to the Christian that you must remain faithful to the end and not give up or turn your back on the Lord because the scripture is very clear that if any man has known Christ and received salvation and rejects it and turns away, he, and I'm quoting scripture here, he tramples underfoot the blood of Christ. Now, that's a very serious thing. And there remains no more sacrifice for sin. So be so careful, because in verse 15, when those desires conceive and multiply, they bring forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings death. Verse 16 is coming down a little bit. Don't err, my beloved brethren. Don't go away from the truth. Verse 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights. So look at the good in your life. We're turning away from the temptations, the trials, and the difficulties, and the problems. And we're now looking at the other side of it. Verse 17, look at the good gifts that come from God. And that they come from God, who's described here as the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, that's a reflection of the sun which varies and changes and turns. And you can be one minute walking in the sun and then walking in the shadow. And you know that the sun rises and sets. The sun is not is consistent in that. But you can't stay 24 hours a day in the brilliance of the sun where you live. But God is not like that. God does not rise and set. God does not rise and fall. God is consistent 24-7. 
And this is a very strong point that James is making. God is consistent in what he does. When he blesses you, he blesses you and will not allow any harm to come to you. That God is protecting you 24-7. Do you understand? There's no shades, no shadow. The trouble is that in our own characters, in our own personalities, we've got shades, we've got shadows, we've got good and the bad. God is not like that. And in verse 18 of his own will, he begat us of his own desire. We are born into the kingdom by the desire of God with the word of truth that we should be the first fruits of his creatures. And what he's saying is that especially to those early Christians, they were to be the first fruit, and we are the ones that follow him. And in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. And in verse 21, he's saying virtually, He's saying, if God is consistent, you must be consistent. Mm -hmm. This is what this is really saying. If God is consistent, and we know he is, then you, in the likeness of God, must also be consistent. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I like that word engrafted. You know, when something's engrafted, it's in stone. You get the stone and you cut it into the stone. Like the the Ten Commandments with Moses, written with the finger of God. You know, this can't be changed. When you cut those words in stone, we we in, in English... And, and if you're in another country, you won't probably understand this, but in English, we literally have this thing carved in stone, cut in stone. It means you can't change it. And this is the beauty of God. The word of God cannot be changed. And that's why it's able to save us. And then in verse 22, he's going on, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers, because if you hear and you don't act on it, you deceive yourself. Elsewhere in the scripture, Jesus says, it's like building a house on sand, and when the storms come, they, there's no foundation then. He says in verse 23, if, if you're a hearer and not a doer, oh, uh, in English, and I don't know how this will transcribe into other languages, but in England we say you've got to not just talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. It's not just talking it and saying it, it's doing it. And that's what he's saying. Be doers of the word, not just hearing it, not just listening, but act on it, do it. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer, and not a doer, and now this is a very graphic illustration, he's like a man who sees his face in the mirror 
and he sees the, the spots, the marks he sees, and he doesn't do anything because he forgets what he sees, doesn't realize. But the Word of God is literally like a mirror. It will show you the truth, show you who you are and what you are. But then when you see that, do something about it. We all need to change. I need to change. You need to change. Oh, verse 24. Uh, the man that looks in the mirror and doesn't change, he sees himself, goes his way, and forgets who and what he is. But verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues and not if forgetful, not a hearer, but a doer, this man shall be blessed. Come on. If any man among you seems religious and doesn't keep his tongue, you deceive his own heart. His religion is vain, for pure religion and undefiled is to put into practice. Verse 27, put into practice what you believe. God grant it. God help you in Jesus' name. And watch and listen next week. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. When you are committed to and support the gospel, then stand on this promise that when you give to the extension of the kingdom, God will supply all your need. Jesus called it giving and receiving. This year God has given us wonderful opportunities to preach the gospel in Armenia, Georgia and Poland. And we continue to support Ukraine by distributing humanitarian and spiritual aid. For 12 months, our staff have helped the displaced, vulnerable and injured, supplying food and medicines. To make a donation, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. strength for now and for eternity. David will guide you through the Apostle Paul's letters to the Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. David has written this book to strengthen your faith at a time when everything around us is being shaken. Join David as he delves deep into the truths of the Bible. Order David's book, A Firm Foundation, by visiting our website, eurovision.org.uk forward slash shop. We would like to give you a free gift. David Hathaway's Prophetic Vision magazine is available free of charge. All you need to do is ask for it. This faith-building resource will show you the path to revival in your life and ministry. To receive this free magazine, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash magazine.